source of true delight, whom I unseen adore. Unveil thy beauties to my sight, that I might love thee more. Oh, that I might love thee more. You're listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding Well, happy Thanksgiving. It's good to see everybody this morning. Um, if you want to turn in your pew Bible this morning, it's be on page 839. That's the blue book in the pew in front of you. Um, what's written there is Mark 4, verses 1 through 9. And um, let's pray. Ask the Word, the Lord, to bless His Word here briefly before we read. Let's pray together. Father, You're about uh, to tell us through Jesus to listen. So we ask for You to give us ears to hear. Uh, because it is a great need. And so we beg of you this morning in a good way because you promised that Jesus answers. And so we ask that you would answer through your son. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Mark 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. And um, this is God's good and kind word to you and I this morning. It's Jesus speaking and he says, And he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And I lost my place. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, Let him hear. Now, I'm going to stop there and give you this picture. That was the crowd that was listening to Jesus, okay? He got in the boat. He had been teaching them. He tells this story about seed and sowing on the ground. And then he he goes away. That's what they got. A story about seeds and soil and stuff that grew, and stuff that didn't. And you and I who have the Bible, we kind of have the rest of the story of what follows. Where His disciples go away with Him, and other people go away with Him, and they ask Him what the parable meant. 
But I want you to kind of have heard what they heard. A story about seeds and soil in the midst of Jesus' public ministry and teaching and healing and talking about the kingdom of God and calling people to Himself. Okay? My second year at LSU as the RUF campus minister, I would frequent this place called Community Coffee, CC's. It's a New Orleans brand coffee. It's a beautiful thing. Right outside the south gates of LSU, there was this little shop. Tons of students went there. I met a ton of people there. It's where everybody kind of rolled out of bed in the morning on their way to class to grab their jolt of caffeine to make it through calculus or whatever class they were going to. And I would perch myself there. And if you were lucky, right, you, you got a seat outside because there's no winter in Louisiana and it's always nice. And one day I was sitting there and the place was packed and out walks this dude, obviously looking for a place to sit. And he's got a cigarette in his hand and he's kind of looking for an ashtray and he's looking for a place. And there are no other tables, but I'm the only person at my table. And so I go, you're you for a place to sit down here, sit down. You're welcome to sit here with me. And he sits down and he lights up. And, um, and I'm not for smoking. I'm telling you the story of what happened, okay? Um, and he kind of says, hey, thanks. What are you doing? I said, well, I'm, I'm actually studying for something I'm teaching later. Well, what are, you, what are you teaching? Well, I'm a campus minister. I'm teaching this Bible study later to freshmen. Oh, really? Okay, great. He goes, you know, I've been reading John Donne poetry. What? Okay, this old English kind of theologian. He's reading Don, John Donne poetry. And this is the next thing out of his mouth. He goes... Man, John Donne's poetry scares me to death. I think the wrath of God might be real. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, how's your Marlboro? You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, let's talk about this for one moment. So we start on this conversation that lasts about an hour and a half. And he starts coming to RUF. And then he goes on this conference with us in the fall. And... We have this great conversation in the afternoon where the lights seem to go on. And I think, I think this guy may have become a Christian. And the next weekend, my boss calls me, the guy who is now in my position. And I'm, in, I'm encouraged. I'm like, Bebo, man, what a great conference. Like this dude, I tell him the story. I tell him about the weekend. I go, I think he's, I think he's a believer. And these are the words out of his mouth. Bebo goes, well... We'll see, won't we? And internally, I was like, you buzzkill. What is your problem? Like, Bebo, get, get happy. I think somebody, I think somebody made a profession of faith. That's awesome. Woo! That's great, right? And I think what Bebo was trying to do was look at me and say, hey, that's a great thing. But the work of God that lasts is a work that lasts. And so Jesus tells this parable, this story about seeds and sowers, and then He disappears and His disciples come and go, Jesus, what in the world? Help us understand this. What were you talking about? And I'm going to reference what comes below, but I'm going to ask you to go home and read 13 through 20 this afternoon. I'm going to reference it 
But this is a story about kind of the work that God does in the hearts of people. And there is something to be said about right the receptivity of the heart. Right, he tells the parable, and there is more meaning behind that parable than just sowers and seeds and farmers and agriculture. He's talking about the mysteries of the kingdom of God and how it comes and how it stays and how it thrives in the hearts of his people. And he tells the story, and the people who had followed him had come wanting to hear Jesus teach. They had heard his stories, they were aware of what he was teaching. And they knew that as Jesus told this story, he was saying to them that they were supposed to ask something of themselves from the text. What were they supposed to hear? Well, what kind of soil am I? Which is what you and I are supposed to do this morning. But that's what Jesus did. He starts the thing and he ends the thing with this. Listen. Right? Listen. He who has ears, let him hear. And it begs this question. The thing that Jesus is driving at with the parable is, what kind of soil are our hearts? And to make it easy, I think as you read it, it's this. The seed that is sown is the gospel message. Right? It is the word of God that goes out. It is the power of God, right? It's this idea of Romans 1 that the gospel doesn't contain power. It is power. It is the power of salvation. It is the power that brings people to spiritual new life. And um, the sower is whoever is delivering the message, right? The preacher or the person delivering the gospel. And the soil is the hearer. The soil is us, right? The soil is our hearts. And Jesus, in essence, through this parable is saying that there is good soil where the gospel takes root and grows. And there is other soil where the gospel doesn't take root and grow. I mean, look at Dan. He came, he sat down. We have this great story. He started coming to RF. He actually started coming to church. He liked the people. They were nice to him. Babo, isn't it great? I mean, that is great, Keith. Let's see. So, Jesus says that there is good soil and there is soil that is not good. Now look, good soil is not the moral distinction about people, right? That they're, these people are good people. And we all know that the Bible looks and says we are all under sin, Right? It is not saying that, but it is talking about the condition of the heart that is actually able to hear and receive and respond and abide in the words of Christ over time. So I want you to see that this is about the receptivity or the condition of the soil that determines what kind of crop is produced. Right? Is the soil good for growing or is it not? There's a soil that's in a condition that grows things well and a soil that isn't. So a few years ago, I planted a garden in our backyard. And we, I tilled up this little patch of ground. And we have tons of trees in our backyard. And it's junky soil. And, you know, I dug up like paint cans and uh, bricks and electrical wires and 
all sorts of things. And we planted peas on the back row and I stuck up a fence and we planted cucumbers down in one corner and we, I planted peppers and something else. It is really funny. My sprinkler, I didn't know it, didn't reach the peas. So when I first watered it, the pea plants kind of grew up and, and then the peas kind of got that big and then they just scorched in the summer because I wasn't around. And the peppers just never came up. I don't know what happened. They just never, they never came up. The only thing that really worked was a cucumber plant in the corner, in the low corner where kind of water seemed to trickle down. Thankfully, I love cucumbers. That's my favorite thing I planted. That's what we got. It had everything to do with the kind of soil that was there. And I want you to know that Jesus is saying, right, that the ground is the heart of the people and their receptivity of the message. John Stott looks at this way. He says, the receptivity of the ground determines the harvest. The parable of the sower is explaining why some people respond to the message of the gospel and others don't. When the God of grace and when the grace of God is actually open to all. And when I say receptivity, I'm not saying this one-time thing. The language of producing a crop is something that is over time, right? It is a heart that is open to Jesus and His words over the long haul. This is the weird thing, because what it says to us this morning and what it says to me as a 45-year-old man is something that makes me more reflective than it ever has. Because it says that it seems that some people can start well and not end well. It seems that the Word of God can actually kind of be sown in a place where there looks like there is initial fruit that in the end is not lasting and real. And y'all, at 23 when I was right out of college, I thought this was silly like, that can't happen to me. I trust Jesus. I'm fine. We're going to long haul. And then as I get older, I read this and I watch. It makes you ask this question. What kind of soil is my heart? And that is Jesus' intention. Is the condition of our heart in a place where His Word is able to come and grow and sit and settle and ferment and fertilize and draw you in deeper and deeper into His mercy and His goodness and His love and His ways and His commands. I think that's why Jesus, again, just says, seriously. I mean, right after this, in verse 21, He says, I am very serious about this. Listen. Pay attention. Okay, what's the crop, just for a moment, what is the crop that gets produced? I mean, the big thing that Jesus is driving, and I've said it already, is is that there is a condition of the heart that produces a harvest, and there's a condition that doesn't over the long haul. And Jesus says it because He loves His people and desires His Word to abide with you and me. That's why He tells the parable. He wants His Word to abide. He wants us to hear. He wants us to go the long walk with Christ to the very end. He does. What's the crop that gets produced? Okay, listen to some of the biblical imagery. 
And some of the stuff that Jesus has actually been teaching as you read this parable in the other Gospels. Beforehand, Jesus has said things like, there is faith and there is repentance. Right? And both of those are graces of God. It's a life that is marked by hope in Christ, an apprehension in His mercy and His forgiveness. Right? A consistent turning from sin to Jesus for His mercy. A consistent, like this walk where we desire to throw off sin and to follow Him and to put it to death and to kill it and to walk with Him and to come back to that task again and again and again. A love for God. Not just a busyness for God. An affection for Christ. A submission to God and His Word. A willingness to give up ourselves and to suffer and to die. A willingness to give up our life. A life of fruit, right? The life that looks like the Beatitudes. Where there's this growing hope in us that we see our depravity, where we see our spiritual poverty, where we cling to Jesus, where we mourn our sin, where we take great hope in the gospel of His grace and kindness, where our hearts are kind of leaning towards a hunger and a thirst for righteousness and goodness, for beauty actually being acted and enacted and grown in our hearts. A life where we're straining for purity of peace and heart. A life given to peacemaking, not resentment and bitterness and revenge. A life that sees grace producing peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Those things. That's what Jesus is saying. And look, I think it brings us to this description of the soils that don't produce. Right? What about those who do not seem to last along the way? How does that happen? It doesn't seem as inconceivable anymore. Because you look and Jesus says, look, let me run through this briefly. But he says that there is, in verse 4, right, that there's seed that sows along the path. And the birds come and devour it. And when he talks to his disciples later, he says, that's actually the stuff that where the word is preached, Satan comes and snatches it up and it never really gets a hearing. They are sitting in front of it. They hear the word spoken, but it just never enters in. Their unbelief, their cynicism, their sarcasm, their anger. They just never hear it. Their busyness, their unwillingness to have anything said about themselves that would be offensive at all, they just won't hear it. Jesus said that produces nothing. And then he goes on and he talks about this, this next one, right? That there's sower, and then he sows seed that falls uh, on rocky ground and it doesn't have a lot of soil and it springs up and there's no death. And when the sun comes up, it scorches it like it scorches my peas and they just wither. And nothing is really produced. And when Jesus talks about that, he talks about how that is this thing where though there's, a, though there's this receiving it with joy early on even. When trouble comes because of the gospel, because of Jesus, because of the name of Christ, what gets showed up is what they love more is something other than the word that they heard, the, the grace of God. And it's strange how that happened. 
When I, when I left Duke, um, Alan Poole looked at me and said, Keith, with your convictions, I think you need to go find a PCA church. I said, okay. So I moved to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I got the last apartment left in town. It happened to be 50 feet from a PCA church. I had no idea. In this machinist union's building. And the guy that planted this church was a really good friend. I mean, a great friend. He was older when he planted the church. He had a great theological education. He got educated at Westminster, Philadelphia. He had tons of energy. He wanted to really kind of reach Clarksville. And he, and he didn't know it, but he pastored a church of six families that only wanted it to be for those six families. And so Pat had all these ideas about let's be a community-facing church. Let's preach great desire. My friends and I, we lived out on this crazy farm that my wife wants to move to one day. She really doesn't. I had all these people living in it. It was this, this halfway house for lieutenants coming and going from the army. It was terrible. No air conditioning. It was a dump. I romanticized it all the time. I took Paige to see it. She was like, you are crazy. This is terrible. But we would have Pat come out and kind of do these fun conferences. And he taught me the doctrines of grace. And he pushed... And then he started to take persecution for the things that he said he believed. And I was deployed for eight weeks. And when I came back, I said, where's Pat? And they said, he left. And then he left his wife and his children. And then he forsook the faith. And now he's teaching middle school social studies in New Jersey. And it's not inconceivable to me that people can begin well. And in the end, there not be real fruit. And that both makes me sad and haunts my soul. And I hope it haunts yours. Because I can't articulate the gospel the way Pat articulated it. I can't. And then Jesus goes on to say that there is seed that, right, that falls among thorns and the thorns grow up and they choke it and they yield no grain and goes down to describe these interesting phrases, right? The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Now, I think I've read that so much of the time and always thought money. You know, that's about money. That's about people who love material things. And I think, well, I'm a preacher. I'm not going to be wealthy. I don't have to worry about that. That's not true. I'm one of the richest people in the world. We're the top 2% wealth in the entire world. We're rich. No doubt about it. We are rich people for the most part. But the phrase actually says that the cares of this world and the desire for other things are the things that choke that out. And I think what Jesus is warning us on is this. Guys, there can be desire for comfort or self-medication or ease or self-protection 
that in the end proves to be the thing that you love more than anything else, which can prove to make our hearts unfruitful. I think this is the strangest one for me in some ways. Like, I just remember in Mississippi seeing a guy, again, actually, strangely enough, it was an elder who loved the doctrines of grace. I mean, he just loved them, loved Reformed theology, loved them. I love it. I'm confessional. He loved them. He pounded them. He was all for them. And he was crazy unkind to his wife. And when the church confronted him out of love, he just held to his guns. He wasn't going to submit to anyone. And the church pursued him lovingly, 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 long mile, walked with him. And he was not going to say, Uncle, for boo. All the way to his excommunication. In the sobriety of the situations, the way in which I have seen people end apart from the convictions that they espoused earlier is why the words of Jesus to hear, if we have ears to hear, become so haunting to us this morning. Because they should. Because I think what it does is, I think it drives us to this last thing, right? I think it drives us to this last thing. Now look, all of you who have tender consciences, like me, who of late has been wondering, do I know Jesus? Hold on. Okay? Because what it does is it lastly points you and I to this hopeful word. And I want you to have ears to hear. Because he says, and other seed fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30 and 60 and 100 fold. Please hear. Because there is a seed that falls on good soil which produces a crop. Right? When the Word of God comes and penetrates and is received and is taken in deep, and when by God's grace it is attended to over time, when there is a real heart work of the Spirit done by God, which is different from religious activity that's external or religious busyness, when there is a genuine love for God that Christ builds in the hearts of His people, we really do see it result in a crop. We do. We do. So look, if you are crushed at the moment, look up. Listen to the words of Jesus. Take hope. Because Jesus says things like this, right? The Bible says stuff like this. He will in no way turn aside those who will call on His name. He will not turn you out. That what we do this morning, like we have again and again and again, is we turn to the God of all grace. 
who by His mercy through the imperishable Word brings to life hearts which are dead. We turn this morning as His people and people of hope to the God who by grace has saved you. Not by works. So that no one can boast, but that we will boast all the day long in the merciful God who has created you and I anew to walk in good works. He does it. We turn ourselves again this morning to the God of the Old Testament who says that He really does take out our hearts of stone and turn them to hearts of flesh and moves us to keep His commands and love Him. Love the Gospel and love His ways and love mercy. Right? We turn this morning as people of hope not to ourselves, but to the God who really does transform. And I I do appreciate Calvin at this point. He said, it's objected that it's impossible to find anyone who is pure and free from thorns, right? I mean, that's the thing that makes us all nervous this morning. That's why you're looking at me with furrowed brow. That's why you're scared at some level like, ah, do I see enough? Listen, he says, it is objected that it is impossible to find anyone who is pure and free from thorns. It's easy to reply that Christ does not now speak of the perfection of faith, but only points out those in whom the Word of God yields fruit. Though the produce may not be great, yet everyone who does not fall off from the sincere worship of God is reckoned a good and fertile soil. Now we ought to labor, no doubt, to pull out the thorns. But as our utmost exertion will never succeed so well, but there will always be some remaining behind, let us endeavor at least to deaden them that they may not hinder the fruit of the Word. Guys, I get it. Let me apply for just a moment. We should hope in Christ. We should draw near to Him. Right? We should call on Him. Why? He's faithful and good. He produces a good crop in the hearts of His people. He loves to do that very thing. And I am begging with you and pleading with you to hear and to abide with Jesus today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and to wake up and to cling to Christ until your very last breath. Because the sovereign God of electing grace really does produce fruit in the hearts of His people. He does. And there is this word for you and I that is hopeful, right? The 30, 60, and 100 fold, that is great crop. But look at me, all of you who have the tender conscience, who look around and say, well, she's holier than me, and she does more than me, or he's, right? Stop. The point is not for you to compare yourself to everybody else. The point is for you to draw near to Jesus, to do your best to pull out the thorns to follow Christ as you will, and to hope in the only thing that you can hope in. That is that God, who is the maker of things alive that were once dead, does that very work in His people who draw near to Him. We should hope I'm going to tell you, at 45, I look around and I look at my own heart and my small group knows this. I wonder at times, 
Is there enough fruit for me to call myself a Christian? And I am told by my small group as the vehicle of grace that I am to draw near to the living God who produces in the hearts of His people what they desire. We should hope in Christ who creates a clean heart, who puts a new spirit within us, who abides with us, and who produces the beauty of His mercy and His righteousness and His goodness in degrees. And Jesus looks and says to us this morning who call on His name, have ears to hear and to draw close to Christ in the good hope that He will produce in you a crop that abides. Listen. Listen, 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 and draw near to Jesus. And He will produce in you a beautiful fruit. Let's pray. Father, we need You to make our hearts receptive this morning, either for the first time or for the thousandth time. Lord, if You have drawn a thousand times, we ask You to draw again. We desire, Lord, for You to produce in us that which is righteous and good and pure. We do. And we hope in You alone. And we ask You, O God, to give us strength to walk faithfully with You. That we might see those very things over the days of our life. Lord, give us ears to hear and to receive and to welcome the Word of God again and again, we ask. For Jesus' sake and for our benefit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. my fears away won't you chase my fears away